Welcome to the Maria Liberati Show, where food meets art, travel, and life. So what does food mean to you? Stick around for today's show. We have special guest Jim Locker. And you know, if you love wine and everything wine, today's show is definitely for you. Jim Locker is a wine expert, aficionada, and author. And then I'm also going to give a recipe for a vegetarian carpaccio that makes a great accompaniment to wine. And also, we're going to be talking about the wine windows code and cracking the wine windows code. We did a show on that a little while ago. If, um, any of you remember the uh, legend of the wine windows code so stick around you know we have all these holidays coming up easter i know there's passover uh some people celebrate ramadan if you can have wine for your holiday celebration you're gonna hear some great suggestions on wines to choose also so please stay around and if you have suggestions on your favorite wine for your holiday table please get in touch email me and you can do that at maria at marialiberati.com you can also go to the marialiberatishow.com and uh, send us a comment as well or you know, send a favorite, send a picture with a glass of your favorite wine, enjoying a glass of your favorite wine, hashtag at the Maria Liberati show and share it on social media and, and uh, we'll share it on our website too. Stay with me. You know, Tuscany is known for its beautiful landscapes, cultural history, artistic legacy, and of course, the famous Italian red wine. Back in the old days when local farmers produced wine at home, they wanted a fast and easy way to sell wine on site without having customers constantly intruding into their living space. So the farmers invented these wine windows which is what we were talking about today. There are these wine windows that were these small openings with artistic arches and stone frames. They began to appear on the wall of every wine merchant's house. According to Mary Farce, the founder of Bucchetta del Vino, which is a wine windows association based in Florence. And I did interview her. If you scroll through all of the episodes on the Maria Liberati show, you'll find an interview with Mary. And um, again, it's a wine windows association based in Florence. These wine windows are about a foot wide and a foot and a half tall, just big enough for a wine bottle to go through. There was usually a wooden door. The door has a small knocker on it so that the client on the street side of the wine window could knock with a knocker and the individual on the inside of the home could answer. No one would ever have thought when Black Death swept through Europe in the 14th century, these little windows had become one of the earliest ways of ensuring social distancing while satisfying the locals need for wine. Merchants would ask customers to place coins in a small basin of vinegar because they knew vinegar had cleaning power. Then they would hand the bottle of wine to the customer through this small opening. Mary said because, and Mary is Mary from Bucchetta di Vino, um, the wine organization. She said because a lot of wine windows today have been disfigured or mistreated, she felt the need to help preserve this ancient feature. 
feature that has been a historical legacy for Tuscany and many other cities in Italy. Among all the different kinds of wine in Italy, Chianti is characterized by its velvety and burgundy color. Chianti has a bitter strong taste because the skins of the grapes remain during the process of fermentation. And as promised, so here's my recipe for a vegetarian carpaccio that could make a wonderful appetizer to pair with Chianti. And it's great for spring holiday gatherings if anybody's doing a Tuscan picnic. Very easy to do and it's good for you, it's healthy. So you'll need two green zucchini, a red onion and one tomato, a handful of fresh basil and mint, salt and pepper to taste, a tablespoon of apple cider vinegar and two tablespoons of extra virgin olive oil. You're going to slice the vegetables on a mandolin. You're gonna slice them very, very thin. Finally, chop the basil and mint. Arrange the thinly sliced vegetables on a serving plate. In a bowl, whisk together the apple cider vinegar with the olive oil. Add salt and pepper to taste. When you're ready to serve, pour the dressing on top of the thinly sliced vegetables. Sprinkle with the basil and mint, and if you'd like, top it with some shaved Parmigiano Reggiano or Pecorino cheese. It's really, really good, very healthy, good for you. You know, if you don't want apple cider vinegar, you can just use um, lemon juice instead of apple cider vinegar, but it's it's great. And in another vegetarian carpaccio that I love, it's made of cucumber and radishes. So all you're going to do is simply slice the cucumber and radishes very, very thin, place them on the plate. And uh, this one pairs really well if you want to use two tablespoons of extra virgin olive oil and a teaspoon of lemon or lime juice for the dressing for that, for the cucumber and radishes. So refreshing. Makes a really good appetizer and an opener for any meal. Enjoy. So today we have as our special guest, um, wine expert and author, Jim Lochran. And uh, we're going to talk about this really interesting book that he has out. But Jim, thanks so much for being here. I'm going to let him tell us a little bit about his background in wine, my life in wine, right? Your life in wine. <laughs> There it is. Yes. Yes. Well, Maria, thanks so much for uh, inviting me on. It's great to be with you. Uh, uh -huh. Wonderful show. And I actually recently watched a few episodes, one with a terrific Italian actor from the Lemon Tree movie, I believe yes, it was. Yes, I think it's yeah. from Turn from the Lemon Grove, something like that. Yes. Yeah. What a, that was that was a, a really fun show. So, so yes, was it was. It yeah. was. <laughs> so my own background in wine uh, goes back fairly far in that, you know, I was one of those kind of strange young people who, even as a teenager, preferred wine over beer. Uh, I know that's, you know, that doesn't yes. really suit the teen, uh, the teen persona, but uh, nonetheless, yes. uh, so I've always been a lover of wine, even though I didn't really know what I was looking at. Uh -huh. You know, my wine life started out probably uh, when I was in college. I'd get together a bunch of friends, you know, and cook a couple pot of spaghetti and haul out a bottle of, uh, you know, Mountain Red or Hardy Burgundy or uh -huh. one of those great jug wines that were so popular many years ago. Uh 
Uh-huh. And of course, you know, they didn't, they were just blends of whatever was available at the time. The, the hardy Burgundy, uh, Burgundy, of course, is 100% Pinot Noir wine. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And the hardy Burgundy probably didn't have a single drop of Pinot Noir in it. But nonetheless, it, it, it uh, sufficed for the moment. Uh-huh. And since then, uh, I was kind of a collector, uh, not seriously, but just really enjoyed wine. And so wanted to save some. Uh, special bottles to enjoy more than once. And uh, about 25 years ago, I was part of a wine tasting group and met a fellow, a doctor, Uh who had a young wine import and distribution company. Mm -hmm. And he was probably a pretty good doctor, but he was a pretty terrible businessman. And uh, uh, I think he, I think he even understood that at some level. So we talked and he asked me to come in and take over the operation of the company and build it up. Uh, so that was really the transition from uh, avocation to vocation as far as wine was concerned. Uh-huh. But it was a wonderful time, a wonderful experience. Uh-huh. Uh, we had, a, we built a great portfolio. Uh, uh-huh. I traveled a lot to visit winemakers. Uh, one of the supreme trips, if you will, in the wine world is a, is a show called Vin Italy. Yes, yes. Which is held every year in Verona. It's one of the greatest wine shows in the world. And yes. uh, it was a magnificent experience. And I met hundreds of producers. And so nonetheless, we had a, we had a great import business and a great uh, distribution business. Uh, after a few years of that, I kind of got more into the consulting. I was being asked so often to help restaurants develop wine programs or how they should even go about putting together a wine list and that type of thing. So I kind of moved in that direction. Mm -hmm. Uh, Again, got to visit some additional wine regions. And then uh, my my writing background, if you will, uh, came out, mm-hmm. and I thought I just have to write about this. Uh, you yes. know, I love I love wine, I love writing, so put the two together. And since then, for the, probably the last ten years, I've been focusing almost entirely on writing. Still do a little consulting, but uh-huh. mostly writing, and uh, and then visiting wonderful, gorgeous, beautiful, fun wine regions. Uh-huh. Wow. Until until fairly recently, anyway. Right. But. Exactly. Well, so tell us, it sounds like I know you are involved in importing wine and, well, many things about wine, but importing wine. So my first question would be, what's, is there an interesting region for wine now? I know there's always these trending regions. So what, you know, for me, I always think of Italy and France. But uh, what's the Mm -hmm. region now, kind of the hot region for wines? Well, probably on the international stage, Georgia is the most interesting Uh uh, region. And it's quite interesting because uh, we think of, as you termed it, the new wine region. Right. Georgia is actually the absolute oldest wine region on earth. And uh, it's probably the location where humankind first discovered wine and first learned how to make wine. And uh, this was probably in the neighborhood of of nine or 10,000 years ago. Uh And since then, of course, wine has become an integral part of of human existence in so many ways, uh, whether it's in ceremonial approaches. Wine is a very critical part of most of the world's religions right. uh, and has been for seven, 8,000 years. 
wine until the advent of antibiotics, wine and honey were the two leading medicines in the world for yes. all of history. Mm -hmm. uh, you can go back to the uh, Iliad and the Odyssey and, and read uh, about uh, wounded uh, Greeks uh, in the Battle of Troy, and mm -hmm. their wounds were all dressed with, with wine. Yes. Uh, so wine has wonderful antibiotic properties, which we don't make much use of anymore. Yes. Uh, but it's it's certainly a terrific thing. So so getting back to Georgia very quickly. Yes, Georgia. Uh -huh. So Georgians still make wine uh -huh. the way they have for thousands of years. Oh wow! Which is quite remarkable. Yes. They uh, they actually put all the they crush grapes and then they pour them all into a giant terracotta vessel that is sunk completely into the ground. Uh -huh. And they seal it off and they just leave it. They just uh -huh. let nature do its own thing. Wow. And in their mind, mm -hmm. it really is a mother nurturing an about to be born child. I mean, there, there's a, uh, are tremendous religious connotations with wine in Georgia as well. And uh, they have a style that is unlike uh, almost anything in the modern world. Uh -huh. uh, which is to let white wines age for a very long time. So in doing so, they acquire what uh, phenolic substance or what coloring agents, if you will, right. are in the grape skins. And so a Georgian wine tends to be amber colored or okay. orange wine, we hear so a term. So is the today. white wine, the Georgian white wine, I'm assuming if they're aging it longer, it's got a higher alcohol content than the normal white it, wine? No, it doesn't have a higher alcohol content. Content, but it does have a much higher tannin. Oh, okay. Uh, tannin uh -huh. content, yes. And it yes. tastes a little different because it's not aged in wood, it's not yes. aged in stainless steel, but yes. it's aged in terracotta. Uh -huh. Yeah. So it, it's it's a beautiful, amber, lovely, wonderful color pumpkin, like bright pumpkin. Oh, yes. And uh, just marvelous stuff. It, it you know, it's a little different, takes a little getting used to, uh -huh. but uh, once you have uh, had the pleasure of enjoying it on a couple of occasions, you'll, you'll be sold forever. Yeah. And, yeah. and I'm yeah. sure it's a healthy, you know, healthy and obviously not over drinking, but sounds like it's a, a, a kind of a healthier process to making the wine, the way that you explain that they're doing it, a more kind of natural in tune with right. nature, yes. right? Yeah. That's what I yeah. mean, in tune with nature. Most Georgian winemakers, as they enter the Western world, uh -huh. uh, are very into, become very involved in natural winemaking groups uh -huh. because they, they don't, for the most part, add anything to the grape juice, to the grape must. Uh, whereas in the West, yes. depending, we have people who are also very dedicated to natural wine. Yes. But on the other hand, we have people that are very dedicated to doing anything they can to manipulate the flavor exactly. to match some preconceived taste profile that they're trying to stick with. Yes, exactly. So, okay, so we know Georgia, and I definitely recommend um, if you've never tasted a wine from Georgia to try, you know, to go out there and try to expand your knowledge, right, of taste, but in, in the U.S. So, you know, I was, the first time I went to the northern part of California, I was really mm -hmm. impressed by 
actually I had some great white wines because I was so used to always having it, Italian wines, but I was mm -hmm. really impressed by some white wines there. So what, aside from Northern California, but is there any region now that's kind of like a hot trending region for wine in the U.S.? Uh, yeah, there really are. There are a couple of regions that are kind of coming into their own. Uh, uh -huh. One is in California, uh, referred to as Paso Robles. Yes, I've heard uh, of Paso Robles. Which is, is kind of the central coast area. Uh -huh. uh, and they just are doing marvelous things with what are called the Rhone varietal. So certain mm -hmm a certain family of grapes, and they're making really wonderful wine. There are some great winemakers in Paso Robles. Uh -huh. So that's a region to look at. Uh -huh. Another region that's always wonderful is Washington State. Oh, okay. uh, you know, they are blessed with probably the best weather oh, yes. and, and atmospheric conditions of any wine region in the U.S. And as a consequence, they every year they get wonderful fruit, just magnificent fruit. So wine is a fruit product. So the better the fruit, the better the wine will be. The wine, yes. So there you go. So those are good places to uh, look for wine from if you're not from those areas. And then I wanted to give some tips. So if you're, you know, a kind of a person that you're so overwhelmed by, you know, everything out there now, there's so much information on wine. What would you recommend to start, you know, kind of trying and, and to, I guess, increase your knowledge about wine and, or how to enjoy wine, you know, and you know, on enjoying mm -hmm. wine? Well, you know, that's a great question. That really is kind of at the heart of everything. Yes. And I, I think that the thing to learn is to learn to enjoy wine, uh -huh. not you don't need to know the details. You don't need to understand fermentation science. Uh, that's really, you know, I mean, that's interesting if you're a wine geek, but if you're not, who cares? You know, it's kind of like, are you a mechanic? Can you get under the hood of your car and, and do you really understand everything that's going on there? Most people do not, but they can still really enjoy driving if that's what they're into or the car, whatever. Yes. So I, I think that wherever you are in this country, uh -huh. interestingly, you are close to a winery. Uh -huh. So it doesn't matter if you're in Southern Ohio mm -hmm. or, or Northern Virginia mm -hmm. or New Mexico mm -hmm. or upstate New York, you are mm -hmm. within a very short drive of some wineries that are probably putting out some pretty good stuff to drink. Yes. So I would start just by having fun. Take a weekend drive somewhere. Take mm -hmm. a take a Sunday or Saturday afternoon and and go visit a winery nearby yes. just to get the sense of it, just to get the smell and the feel and try whatever they've got. You may love what they have, you may not, mm -hmm. but it doesn't matter. It's just a, it's it's just getting your feet wet, you know, learning your way around a little bit. Yes. That's as a great, as, great idea. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, and yes. there are so many. I mean, there are actually wineries yes. in all 50 states. So there are. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And it yeah. makes a great idea for like a staycation. You know, if you don't want to go far, everybody's kind of most people are staying closer to home now. It's great because right. most of us have not discovered what's like right down the block. We all want yeah. to travel thousands of mile, miles miles mm -hmm. away. And you really sometimes have some nice 
things that you can do so close to home. So I love that idea because it's a great way to discover what's around you also. But yeah. anyway, yes, I'm yeah. sorry. Go ahead. No, no, that, that's fine. Yes, I was just saying that, you know, there are wineries in all 50 states, so uh -huh. it's easy enough to find one. And, yes. and beyond that, just try different wines. You know, if you've always... If you've always picked up a bottle of some brand of Merlot at the grocery store, and that's been yes. your wine drinking experience, but you've enjoyed it, uh -huh. well, the next time you go to the grocery store, pick up something different. Yes. You know, pick up a Chianti or, or pick up a Cabernet or, or just pick up a different wine yes. uh, and, and kind of begin to expand your palate a little bit. Yes. You know? the thing we we lose sight of is that there are thousands literally of grapes in the world and wine is made in commercial quantities from probably between a thousand and fifteen hundred of them uh -huh. and yet if you ask the average person how many grapes they can name you know, maybe it's going to be 10 or 15, or if you look on a really good wine list, maybe you're going to have 25 or 30, which means that there are hundreds and hundreds that are still out there to be tried. Yes. So there are so many flavor profiles uh, and people are getting better distribution. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, we're, we're kind of in a golden age. I mean, think about you can sit in wherever you are, Pennsylvania. Yes. Carolinas, wherever you may be, and you can go to your local wine shop and get a bottle of wine that was made in the Republic of Georgia. Yes. You can get a bottle of wine that was made in the Andes in, in Argentina. You can get a bottle of wine from South Africa. You know, you can get wine from everywhere because the distribution is so terrific. Uh -huh. So take advantage of those wonderful discoveries that are that are there to be made it doesn't matter if you know what's in the bottle beforehand or just exactly. give it a shot give it you a know, shot and not, yeah no the other thing i just wanted to mention which um people don't realize so wine was is really originally i mean that's supposed to be paired with something because in the culinary world it actually affects the flavor of your food so give us, you know, I know people always think of, so I always tell people, you know, if you drink wine, always try to pair it with something too, because you'll get, mm -hmm. you know, the double the effect, you're, you're, you're doing something to the taste of the food and the wine. But I know people always think, uh, we always hear that, you know, white wine, the rules, white wine with fish and red right, wine with right, red meat. Right. So what's yeah. the, yeah. what do you say on that? Well, uh, you know, first of all, it, it really is necessary to realize that everyone's palate is different. So what might be a fabulous pairing to you is not necessarily going to be a fabulous pairing to me. Exactly. So if you don't like someone's prescribed pairing, yes. you know, if you read an article in a, in, in a magazine and it says, oh, this goes wonderfully with lamb shank or whatever, and you try it and you just don't like it. That's fine. Do. Don't exactly. worry. It doesn't mean anything. Ex exactly. Uh, yes. Yeah. So we, we don't want to get too crazy about it. Mm -hmm. I think generally speaking, it's nice if you're having a light, delicate dish mm -hmm. to accompany it with a light, delicate wine. That way, neither one overpowers the other, but hopefully they dance together. Exactly. You know? Yes. Imagine, for instance, having a big asabuco 
-hmm. and uh, a little Pinot Grigio together. Yes. <laughs> you know, the, the food will just just yeah. overwhelm the wine to the point where in that kind of a setting, the you might as well be having a glass of water. It just doesn't impact things. Yes, so, yes. On the other hand, if you are having a big rich stew or something or, or a, you know, whatever, a polenta with, with uh, meat or <clears throat> mushrooms, then go for a big, richer, heavier wine. Mm -hmm. So that's really kind of where the, the white wine with fish thing comes from. Uh -huh. uh, but, but don't take it too literally. It's just that if it's a lighter dish, have a lighter wine. If it's a heavier dish, have a heavier wine. Beyond that, most food pairings work out pretty well. Uh -huh. You know, there are <clears throat> a small percentage, maybe five or 10 percent of wines and foods that just clash. They just uh -huh. hate each other. And <laughs> you just you have to learn those, you know. Yes. Uh, and then there are foods that are typically hard to pair. Uh -huh. So if you have anything with vinegar, uh -huh. vinegar and wine, you know, one one wants to entice the other, but in the wrong way. Uh, asparagus is a tough flavor to match. So uh, because of the, it actually has certain chemical flavonoids in it that, that create a third chemical when you drink lots of wine that is just kind of uh, very metallic and unpleasant. Oh, wow. So, so you will learn those things. I mean, if you do want to have asparagus, you love eating asparagus, and we're coming up in asparagus season now. Yes, we are. Find a wonderful bottle of Sauvignon Blanc. And Sauvignon Blanc, whether it comes from New Zealand or from France or from California, has a certain <laughs> a certain propensity flavor-wise to really embrace asparagus, for instance. Mm -hmm. So those are little tips that, that you will pick up. Great. With, uh, with preparing. And no, I was going to say preparing, because I think that's something that's really important with wine. So we're, we don't have that much time left. So I was going to ask you, give us what, you know, any last kind of takeaways that you like to share from, from your book. Um, and then we're going to share where people can find it and the title and all, but any last. Well, I, I would say two things. One is that there are so many ways to enjoy wine. Don't get stuck in a rut. Don't be intimidated by the wine snobs in the world. Just look for a, a way to interact on a fun basis and realize that wine is woven into almost everything. So if you're a chemist, you can find very interesting things about wine. If you're in the medical field, you can find out other very interesting things about wine. Mm -hmm. If you're in uh, aviation, you can find other interesting things directly about wine. So it, it, it's a pretty wide terrain, if you will. Uh, beyond that, the one little tip I might give folks who like wine but would like to know a little bit more about it is to find a local wine merchant in their own town and talk to that person because the local wine merchant is almost assuredly a wine lover. Uh -huh. And if, if she's a wine lover, she's tasted everything in that store and can really help you and direct you. Yes. And realize that the objective of a good merchant is to develop a long-term customer. So they want to find something you're really going to like. So you'll come back again. Exactly. So don't worry about being oversold or whatever. Tell them price range you're looking at, what you generally like. 
and pick their brains. There's wonderful people out there willing to help you. So make use of them. Exactly. And I love the idea of going to like your smaller local merchant because they're usually the ones that are going to have a lot more knowledge. It's probably it could even be like a passion of theirs, a hobby, you sure. know, a very yeah. strong interest, usually the smaller merchants. So mm -hmm. that's great. Jim Locker in 50 Ways to Love Wine More, right? Is that the whole title? That's it. 50 Ways yeah. to Love Wine more. wine more. And where can we find this wonderful book? Well, you can go directly to my distributor if you'd like to. Okay. And that is pathwaybook.com. Okay. And go, go to their homepage and scroll down to their catalog. And uh -huh. you can purchase directly from there. Obviously, Amazon carries the book. Uh, and many bookstores do as well. So, and you have a website too, right? You have a website. I do. Yes, and, and it's, that is it's quite simple. It's Jim Lochran, which is L A U G H R E N dot com. Great. So, yeah. Try so to keep it. Try to keep it clean and easy. Yes, exactly. That's great, Jim. Thanks so much for all those wonderful tips. I think we're all going to be able to appreciate wine a lot more. Thank you so much. And maybe we'll have you back in the near future also. I'm sure we will. Great. Thanks well, it's again. been my pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Maria Liberati Show. And thanks to my producer, Britton Roselle, and today's special guest, Jim Lochran. For anybody out there that's celebrating any of the many spring holidays, happy holidays and hope you enjoy it with today's recipe and some wine suggestions also. And you can find me at marialiberati.com. Uh, let's see, you can also find me on Instagram at Maria Liberati, on Facebook at Chef Maria Liberati, on Twitter at M Liberati, on LinkedIn at M Liberati, on Pinterest at Maria Liberati, on my Roku channel, The Basic Art of Italian Cooking by Maria Liberati, on my Vimeo channel, The Basic Art of Italian Cooking by Maria Liberati, on the Maria Liberati channel, on YouTube. And don't forget, if you create the recipes that I gave today for the vegetable carpaccio, please take a picture, share it, hashtag it, the Maria Liberati Show. And we'll also share the picture as well. And lastly, I just wanted to mention that my newly released book, The Basic Art of Italian Cooking Diaries Seasons, has just been released. And it's really a culinary memoir. It's actually my memoir from when I created, began creating the basic art of Italian cooking and was living in Italy. And there's lots of recipes there along with the memoir. So I think you'll enjoy it. And you can look for that anywhere books are sold online. So I hope you enjoy. And until next time, peace, love, and pasta.